following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people, and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer, and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions, or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our reading today is taken from 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. I'll give you some time to find that in your Bibles. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel! And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel! And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realised that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I speak in the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. So hello, we're continuing our sermon series on prayer, drawing on the prayer course and on Pete Gregg's book called simply How to Pray. Tonight our subject is listening in prayer. But let's begin first where I always like to start a sermon, with the Bible reading. The story of God calling Samuel is really well known, but you know it's even more interesting when it's read in context. It comes in chapter 3 of the first book of Samuel in the Old Testament. The scholar Walter Brueggemann explains that the two books of Samuel describe a radical transformation that occurred in the life of ancient Israel. He says before 1 Samuel and the Bible, we have judges where Israel is portrayed as a sort of unstable company of tribes open to religious idolatry and brutality. After Samuel comes one Kings, which shows Israel as a centralised political power that claimed divine legitimacy for its new monarchy. The books of Samuel occupy that space in between, a sort of transition point between these two systems. But once Samuel doesn't begin with kings or battles, it starts with the story of a woman, a woman called Hannah, who was married to a man who loved her very much, but she couldn't have children and she was desperate for a child. 
So Hannah stood outside the house of the Lord and she prayed and she wept before God and she begged him to give her a son. And she promised that if he did, she would give him back to serve God. When Eli the priest finally hears her pour out her story, he responds by saying, go in peace. The God of Israel grant what you have asked of him. Hannah hears this for what it is, a blessing from God, and she goes away happy. Soon she does indeed bear a son, Samuel, and she gives him back to God. There's then a brief interlude in which we learn that Eli's two sons are corrupt and blasphemous and are abusing their positions in the priesthood. So a man of God comes to Eli to tell him that because of the sons, Eli's descendants will be displaced as priests and disaster will befall the family. So that's the backstory to today's reading. Samuel, who was brought to Eli as an infant, is now a young man. Eli is now an old man, nearly blind. The story starts on a normal night. We're told Eli was sleeping in his usual place and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord and he hears his name being called. Well, he assumes it's Eli. Who else would it be? So he runs to see what Eli needs, but it wasn't him. This happens twice more, and on the third time, Eli finally realises it's God calling Samuel. Now, perhaps it's not surprising that Samuel didn't realise it was God calling, because we're told that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. It's perhaps a bit more surprising that it wasn't until Samuel turned up for the third time, saying, here I am, that Eli finally realised it was God calling him. Now our reading stops before we get to hear what it was God said to Samuel. In fact, it was a pretty terrible message, which made clear that the disaster which had been prophesied to Eli was indeed going to come to pass. So terrible, Samuel was initially scared to pass the message on, but Eli insisted. And when he heard it, he replied simply, he is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. And from here on, everything starts to change. The transition to a different future for Israel has begun. Okay, let's look at what's happened here. First, Hannah calls on God. She's honest with God. She pours out her pain. She's assured that God has heard her and she responds in gratitude. Then God calls Samuel and keeps calling. And when he finally shows up ready to listen, God entrusts him with a serious message one he hadn't sought. And then Eli realises God is speaking and responds by coaching Samuel in what to say and how to listen to God. And when he hears the message, he accepts it. So the word of God has come to three people in different ways. To Hannah, through Eli. To Eli, through originally the unnamed prophet and then through Samuel. And to Samuel directly. Okay, let's fast forward to 2020. Does anything in that story resonate with you and your prayer life? Have you ever heard God's voice out loud calling you by name? No, I haven't, but some people do. But in fact, people hear God in a whole range of ways. Let's look at some of them. First, through dreams. Now, some people actually understand the call of Samuel as a prophetic dream. But in fact, the Bible is full of people having dreams or visions as a way of hearing from God. Now, my own dreams, frankly, are generally dull beyond imagining, but that's not true of everyone. 
You may have had the experience of someone telling you they've had an unusually vivid dream and they think there might be a message in there somewhere for you. Secondly, through other people. Now many people hear the voice of God through others, just as Hannah and Eli did. I've certainly had the experience of someone praying for me and then coming to say that they believe God has said something that I need to hear. Then there's through scripture. God speaks to us through the Bible in a whole range of ways. Again, maybe you've had the experience of someone praying for you and having a sense there was a particular Bible passage that you should attend to. But in fact, all of us are formed as Christians through reading scripture faithfully and by hearing it read aloud in a service. A good way to go deeper is through the practice of Lexio Divina, an ancient way of hearing God through the Bible. It's really interesting and you'll find more information if you check out the resources section of the prayer course for more on this or go to the NICS website under resources. Then through events. God also spoke to Hannah through the fact that she got pregnant, having tried for so long to no avail. God can speak to us through answers to prayer. Now, in my own case, I sensed a call to ordination early in my Christian journey, but I really wasn't sure I was called to be a vicar. So I prayed and I prayed about it and I just couldn't get a sense of clarity. Eventually, and I really wouldn't recommend this, I decided to give God an ultimatum. I would go away on retreat for a week and if I couldn't get any clarity, I would put it aside and I'd move on with my life. So I booked to spend Easter on the island of Iona, an amazing place, the birthplace of Celtic Christianity. The journey there starts with a train to Oban, which takes seven hours from Durham. Then you get a boat to Mull, you get a bus across Mull and another boat to Iona. It's a long way. So I set out on this long journey and I got as far as changing trains in Newcastle when my phone rang. And it was someone telling me that the then Prime Minister wanted to nominate me to go into the House of Lords. Then there's through silence. God can speak to us in silence, perhaps through a conviction that bubbles up or an idea that emerges during a time of prayer, a nudge of the spirit that just won't go away. For me, the call to ordination began like that. Initially, out of nowhere, a sense that this was what I should do, which kept coming back even though I ignored it. And then I assumed when I ended up working in Parliament, at least that meant I was wrong about ordination. But the call returned. It was like a sense of deepest yearning, which just wouldn't go away. I pushed back, I fought it, I pointed out repeatedly to God that this wasn't practical. How could I possibly do my job while training for ordination? How could I do a curacy when I live in Durham and work in London? And so on. But it wouldn't go away. Now we all hear God in different ways. Do any of those resonate with you? Or do you find it hard to hear God at all? Now many of us have dry spells in our Christian journey when we don't seem to hear God. But for some of us, the first question is whether we have, like Samuel, really learned to listen. Now a good first step in any listening is this, stop talking. Now it's good to bring our worries and troubles and joys before the Lord, just as Hannah did. But we do have to be careful not to be like that proverbial patient, 
you know, who goes to see a doctor about a pain in her arm, spends 20 minutes explaining where it hurts, what seems to trigger it, how sore it is, how she can't sleep, and then leaves before the doctor gets to say anything. We all need to spend some time just sitting in silence with God. Now, if you love silence, that's great. But if not, I think it's time to make friends with it. I find I'm best at listening to God when I'm away on retreat because it takes time for me to slow down, to let distractions melt away and just to sit before God. Now that's not so easy in lockdown, but we can still take a quiet day or go for a long walk or sit by the sea or just sit in a comfy chair and make time for God. Now, if you're not used to silence, you can start with a short time, but do make it intentional. One friend of mine lights a candle, just a tea light, when she starts and blows it out when she finishes. Then even if it's only 10 minutes, it marks that out as time just for her and God. And start by slowing right down, by stilling yourself, becoming aware of the moment. You know, like when you see an unusual bird, or a squirrel comes right up to your window, or maybe you're on a walk and you spot a deer close by. It's like time stands still for a moment. God is always there, but when we're still, we have a chance to hear him. Now, I'm only skimming the surface here, but there are loads of books out there on listening in prayer. Do check out the resources on our website and on the prayer course resources. OK, two final points. One really important one. When we do hear something, how do we know it's God? Pete Gregg suggests the ABC test. A is for advice. Seek advice from a wise Christian, or maybe two. When I finally listened to my call to ordination, I talked to various wise people, including my spiritual director. And he eventually said that I clearly felt called and so I should respond in obedience and offer myself to the church. And he said, it's for the church to discern if this is a call from God. So I did and that led to a long, rigorous process of testing and then training. And now I'm a minister in secular employment. B is for Bible. A good question is, is this word that I think I'm hearing in line with what the Bible says about the character and purposes of God? If in doubt, look at Jesus. And C is common sense. Now, sometimes what we hear may not be common sense, but if you're hearing something that sounds unlikely, it's particularly important you do take advice. Work with other Christians to discern what the word of the Lord is. But after all this, you know, the most important thing is just to spend time with God. In his book on Lexio Divina, David Benner talks about a man he calls Juan. He tells a story of him turning up in church every evening, clearly tired, still in his dusty work clothes, that he would sit quietly at the back of the church for 10 minutes, then get up and leave. And after a few months of seeing this, the priest asked what he was doing. I just come in sit down and say, Jesus, it's Juan. What happens then? The priest asked. Well, he replied, Jesus says, Juan, it's Jesus. And we're happy to just spend some time together. You know, that is the essence of prayer, just to spend time with God. The God of the universe knows you by name 
and is longing to spend time with you. All you have to do is show up and shut up. My final thought for today is from the author Catherine Fox, who wrote a great diary column in the Church Times last week. She began like this. I realised a few weeks ago that at some level I cherish the belief that if I could only sort out my cutlery drawer, the global pandemic would cease. She goes on to explain that at the moment she has an urge to sort and organise and spring clean, to seek out gadgets and tips to make her home sparkle. And I totally understand this. When the world feels like it's spiralling out of control, we're all looking for ways to make us feel in charge, at least in some small corner of it. I know that when my work feels overwhelming, I tidy my desk. But deep down, we know there's only one answer to this kind of pandemic level anxiety. As Cathy says, prayer is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Even when we don't know what the question is, other than one despairing howl of why? How long? Prayer during this pandemic, she says, has sometimes felt like a matter of trying to stop the frenzied pursuit of life hacks and sitting still long enough to hear the words, do you know that I love you? Do you know that I love you? So this week, why don't we all try to make the time to do that at least once? Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.